All right. Good evening, Christ Church. You're out there, right? All right. I'm glad you're here. Uh, it's great to be with you on this uh, Christmas Eve Eve and be able to celebrate the great news uh, that God is with us to magnify the Lord uh, in his gift for us. Uh, I'm Pastor Bob, one of the pastors here at uh, Christ Church. And, uh, you know, the pastors, the whole team, we're just all uh, praying and, and uh, wishing you not simply a Merry Christmas, but that God would just bring a measure of blessing to your life uh, in, this, uh, in this coming year. Uh, as we're together tonight, we, uh, we finish up kind of under our theme for this Christmas of, uh, of Magnify. And uh, if you remember, for these weeks as we've been preparing, if you've been with us, uh, we've been looking at Mary's song. Uh, it's a song that we call uh, the Magnificat. If you uh, haven't been able to be with us, it's all online. You can go listen to it. Uh, but here's the short, short story, is that uh, this angel Gabriel shows up to a young girl named Mary uh, and tells her uh, that she is going to bear a son, and not just any son, uh, that she is going to bear God's own son. Of course, she's uh, amazed, confused, because she's a virgin, uh, but he assures her it's going to happen, uh, and of course, it begins to happen. Uh, she uh, soon goes to see a cousin of hers named Elizabeth, uh, and she discovers that Elizabeth is also expecting a child. Uh, and this is amazing and a miracle because Elizabeth was beyond really the age of childbearing, and yet she too uh, now has a son. Upon seeing that, experiencing that, uh, Mary breaks into a song. She just starts praising God and singing. And that song... Uh, is called uh, the Magnificat. Uh, and it's just an incredible song. It's in uh, uh, Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And so I encourage you to go read that and listen to Mary's, uh, Mary's song. So that's kind of the thumbnail of what happens. But as she's experiencing this, as she begins uh, her pregnancy, uh, Mary uh, makes an incredible statement. And, and it's a kind of a foundational statement for any of us uh, who are uh, Christ followers. Uh, Mary, upon hearing this news from the angel Gabriel, says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. It's kind of a foundational statement for us if you're already a Christ follower, where we just kind of surrender and say, Lord, you know, we're yours. And, and whatever you have in store, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want, that I'm just all in, I'm all on board. Uh, you now are, are the guide and the guardian uh, of my walk and of my life. And that's what Mary's doing. Mary is just surrendering and turning it all over. And she does that knowing the character of God. See, she can surrender to God because she understands the character of who God is. She understands the one who stands behind these words that Gabriel has now given her, these promises that God makes through this angel Gabriel. It shows up in her song. At the, towards the end of her song, she says, He, God, shows mercy from generation to generation to all who do what? All who... Fear him. You get it? She understands the character of God. And because she understands the character of God, she can willingly be all in and say, Lord, my life's yours. What, whatever it is you want, I'm just going to believe you knowing that your mercy in my life is the best, that, that your action in my life is better than anything that I could do for myself. 
And so Mary becomes that, that uh, window, that mirror for us of, of what it is to just step into the future of what God wants for us. That's what Christ followers do. We just step in and say, Lord, my life's not, not it's no longer my own. I, I'm all yours, and, and whatever the future holds, uh, so be it. Because of Christmas, because we know the character of God, we see Jesus revealing to us, coming into the world, revealing to us the character and the desires of God uh, in our life. Now, does that mean our life is going to be without challenges? Absolutely not. And that's what we see in the Christmas story, that experience, that history that brings us together tonight. We see right away, Mary goes back to Nazareth, and she has to go through this experience of being a pregnant woman. You know, I sometimes wonder if she got back to Nazareth, if she, uh, if she woke up with morning sickness sometimes. I mean, can you imagine she'd wake up with morning sickness and just say, oh, Lord, oh, yeah, I'm favored, right? Ladies, are you feeling it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just got to wonder. And, and certainly it comes true by the time she gets to the end of her pregnancy. And, and that's where we pick up tonight, right? When she gets to the end of her pregnancy, the world kind of moves in on her life. This guy named Caesar Augustus wields the power of Rome. He has no concern and no compassion for a young woman who is nine months pregnant. He just simply wields the power of Rome. And Luke tells us at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the, Roman, the entire Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph and Mary were descendants of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. What does this mean? Joseph and Mary now have to travel 70-plus miles from Nazareth up in the north to Bethlehem down in the south. Now, there were, there were fundamentally two routes to go from Nazareth up north, Galilee, down to uh, Jerusalem, and then on down to uh, Bethlehem. And I found them for you here to lay them out. One is kind of the, the yellow line, and that's the shortest route, roughly 70 miles. Uh, but you'll notice the terrain. It's all hilly terrain. Uh, it's also dangerous terrain, not just for stepping, but it's dangerous terrain because there are bandits in them, their hills, okay? Uh, maybe the shortest, but it would also be the most dangerous for them. The alternative was to slide over and go over to uh, the River Jordan and follow the River Jordan. The only problem there is that's 85 miles. You're adding another 15 miles onto the journey. What this means for Joseph and Mary is that because of the power of their own, they must make this journey. And so they have to walk for three or four days every day to get finally down to Bethlehem. I mean, I know all of our Christmas cards put a donkey in the whole scene, but we're not sure that that's really accurate. Uh, the reality is they had to make a difficult journey to go from Nazareth in the north down to Bethlehem in the south. What do you suppose Mary was thinking? As she faced this challenge, as she's taking every step, I mean, 
I am favored. I am favored. What, what is Joseph doing? Come on, honey. You're doing great, sweetheart. We can make it. We only got 25 miles to go. Imagine the difficulty of that journey. I mean, these are real people. They are like us. They are real people going through the real experience of a child coming into the world. And apparently, this child is ready to come into the world. Luke says, Joseph took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Not just expecting a child, but what's the word was? Now. That means she's ready. She's ready. It's time. Imagine the difficulty of the journey. And notice, notice, nowhere on the journey does Gabriel show up again. Nowhere on the journey as they're going through the hills or sliding over to the River Jordan, somewhere along the way, nowhere does Gabriel show up and say, Mary, don't worry, God is with you. Mary, you can do this. God is going to strengthen you, empower you. Nowhere does he show up and say, Joseph, come on, just give her a little encouragement, give her a little sugar, come on. Nowhere. What do Joseph and Mary know? Joseph and Mary know what you and I know, that life is going to have its challenges. And even if it has its challenges, it doesn't mean God is not working. I mean, Joseph and Mary are going through a challenging experience, and yet what is this experience? God working to invade our world. What is this experience? God working in the midst of the difficulties to invade our world and to bring into this world his one and only son who would live, teach, die, and rise again so that you and I can have life, be in this room tonight and say, Jesus is Lord and he is with us. This was God working. And while they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. And God worked in the middle of the difficulty, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snuggling strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. As difficult as it is, this birth takes place in the middle of challenge. They are apparently out back in a stable because that's where mangers are. They're food boxes for the animals. Now, I was thinking about this, did a little research on this. This is a picture of our modern-day hospital birthing rooms. What do you think? Look pretty nice? Here's what you need to know. It comes with amenities. At least that's what they say. It comes with amenities like large private labor delivery recovery and postpartum suite, spa-like amenities, including large bathroom and whirlpool tubs and luxury showers, personal refrigerators. Who could do without that? 
personally regulated lighting and temperature controls. And guys, flat screen televisions, you can watch the game the whole time. Large picture windows with beautiful views, sofa, sleeper beds, family lounge with computer, fireplace, and kitchen. Anybody want to sign up? This is awesome. This is Mary's birthing room. Oh, by the way, take out the electricity and the light. Maybe a candle? Mostly darkness. Oh, and it has amenities. Animal noises to help you achieve a restful sleep. You don't need one of those white noise boxes. The animals provide. Of course, with the animals comes various odors. Of course, they can help keep your nostrils clear as you're deep breathing. Straw laid over dirt and rock floors to keep you comfortable. No family to bother you. They're back in Nazareth, by the way. They're not there to help with the delivery either. There's secluded environment. Uh, there's animal noises. So you can scream all you want. Won't bother anybody. And, of course, the animal food box. The manger is available for your baby's comfort after delivery. Difficult challenges. You see, even the birth of Jesus itself tells us he came to be in our real world in the middle of the challenges, in the middle of the difficulty, in the middle of the brokenness, to take on our faults and our failures, to take on our sin and our brokenness, to take on everything that this world would do contrary to God's will and purposes and desires. He was born in difficulty to overcome difficulty. And all Mary and Joseph had in the middle of the challenge, all they had was believing. Believing. Believing what the angel Gabriel said. Greetings, favor woman. What? The Lord is where the Lord is with you. We know that's true. That's what we celebrate. God invaded the world. Jesus came to take on flesh and bone and he lived, and he died, and he rose again so that we can have life in spite of the challenges. All they had was an angel saying, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. What we have, we have the birth of a son. We have a child invading our world. We can believe in everything of who he is and what he's done. For Joseph and Mary, they had believing in the face of the challenges. Now, their believing wasn't pie-in-the-sky belief, right? That's not what God asks of us. This is belief based on evidence. For Mary, for Mary, she had the evidence of going and visiting Elizabeth and finding out that when she shouldn't be pregnant, she is pregnant. For Mary, she had the evidence. She had the understanding, the awareness, the knowledge, the experience to know that even though she's a virgin, she is bearing a child. She's got the evidence that God is true to his word. And that's what Gabriel told her. 
Gabriel told her, for the word of God will never fail. Other translations say, for nothing is impossible with God. This is what Mary had. And this is what he had, what we have. The knowledge that it's Christmas. And Christmas tells us that God took notice of not simply Mary, a young girl from Nazareth, but he took notice of our world. And he still does. He takes notice of your life, your challenges, your difficulties. And he's given us all the evidence to believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And even more, he's given us promises. He's given us promises, promises that were echoed by, by Mary. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham, Abraham and his children, how long? For ever. In case you don't note it, that would include tonight. That would include tonight. That we come together tonight, and the same promise is for us. That God will not leave our lives, that he has noticed not simply our world, but our lives. And he came to be with us, to not leave us to a broken world. It's in the simple verse, the simple, incredible statement. She gave birth to her firstborn son. See, I don't know where you are this Christmas, what your Christmas holds for you right now. Maybe your Christmas holds some challenges. Maybe it holds some difficulties. Maybe it's going to be great with family for a few days, but when those days are done, you're back to reality. I know this. God came to be in that reality. He came to be with you. And if you're like Mary and you have made that statement that says, Lord, I'm yours. I surrender to whatever you desire, whatever your will is for me. If you're like Mary, you'll understand his mercy goes from generation to generation. It is here, it is real, it is available, and even though we're in the difficulty, God is still working. And he will accomplish his word. It will never fail. And if you're not in that place, if you haven't said, Jesus, I'm all in, I, I encourage you tonight to, boy, rethink it. Step into Mary's shoes. Give God a chance. Give Jesus the opportunity to show you the difference he makes in life. I mean, he makes that promise to us. It's a verse we love. We talk about it. We celebrate it. It's at football games. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who? Everyone. Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have an eternal life. And God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. It's Christmas. And once again, we remind ourselves 
God is with us. His word will not fail. And Jesus came to take on our challenges and our brokenness, and he lived and he died and he rose again, that we can have life and that we can face those challenges not alone, but to face those challenges believing, knowing based on the evidence, understanding that nothing is impossible with God and that God is always with us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. We hold on to it. It's Christmas. We celebrate it. We rejoice. We join the songs of angels and praise you and sing the hallelujahs. The good news, you're with us. Good news that is true tonight as we gather, as you invade this room, as you come to us in bread and wine. Good news that will be with us tomorrow when we wake and tomorrow when we sleep. Good news that is for every day as we face the challenges, the 70-plus mile journeys, the difficulties, the brokenness, that it's in brokenness that you were born and that you came to give us life and to endure and to overcome and to simply believe. So, Lord, we surrender this night to you. We surrender all that we are and all that we have. We surrender to whatever you have in store, knowing that your mercy is good, and it will endure from generation to this generation and this night. We commend ourselves to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.